going to be just super happy with me for doing this, but I'm going to have to, I feel very led to acknowledge Patrick Poteet and his ministry to my sister and brother-in-law this week as, as they were crying out because they had, they, we are all aware and the different ones that are praying in those different groups and things, praying for God to answer, and he did. It was incredible, and Patrick, with both of his parents in the hospital at the same time, went to uh, Hardin, where my sister and Rod live, and picked them up and took them to the doctor's appointment that they so desperately needed. So thank you, Patrick. We, we all thank you. And I do believe there are going to be rewards in heaven for uh, acts of service and kindness like that. So... Just a conduit. It's exactly right, and I knew I know I know how you feel. So, I really appreciate it so much. Well, if you will, let's uh, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter eleven. The decision has been made. We are going to have a part two on walking by faith, living by faith. That's how the Lord has led. So if you would, let's stand again just to kind of get some exercise and get those lungs going so that you won't be drowsy. And I'm just going to read two verses, one and six. And then as they say, we're going to read the verses and then start motivating through this. And it's going to be, I'm, I'm very, very encouraged. Hebrews 11:1. 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And then verse 6 says, But without faith, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So let's pray. Father, we are so thankful to you for encouraging us as we go down the road, our pilgrimage, our journey. And Lord, I pray that you would just encourage our faith and increase our faith. Help us, Father, to understand the Christian life is all about faith, trusting and believing your word, what you tell us, what you say, the promises that you have, the warnings. And so, Father, I just trust that today would be such an encouraging day for the church, for families, for the individual believers, that we would leave here with a new insight, new truth that would encourage our hearts as we uh, take the next step Monday morning. And we'll be careful to praise you, and we look to you for leadership and guidance through it, throughout this whole message. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. I guess you could call this a mini-series. Living by faith, walking by faith. We've already talked about last time how it takes faith for salvation, it's, it's believing, believing in the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, believing that He was crucified and shed His blood for my sins and for your sins. And each individual, I, we can't do it for each other. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for your kids. But you have to individually believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved for yourselves. But not only, and we talked about this before, so we're not going to belabor it, but not only do we have to have faith to be saved, I really, really believe after salvation, life is all about walking in faith taking the next step in faith, trusting God. Because, you know, 
I'm sure you've noticed this by now if you've walked with him for any length of time. His ways and our ways are always, most of the time, so opposite in the way we think, in the way he, he wants things done. It just, he just, his, his, the direction for us, his plan for us. And he does have a plan. He does have a very specific plan and a very specific will for us. His perfect will. And it takes faith. And, and this is what I really hope to communicate that believers need to be in a place, if you're maturing and you're growing in the Lord, that you're realizing it's more than, a, than just an existence. It's more than just getting up and going to work. It is, it is, day. let me, this is small. This is a little bit, just a little example. I mean, and, and, you know, you could say, I've heard people say, well, you know, people have found a demon under every leaf. Well, I guess people could criticize and say, well, everything that you look at, you, you relate it to faith. Let me just give you a, a little example, whether it means much or not. But it, I would tell my wife, I said, oh, I meant to pick up a pen today. I've got plenty of them. And I write with them when I write out my messages and you know, I've got pens. I had the thought, get a pen. I didn't have a pen. So I got here, and so when we're driving in, I said, would you like to write the tie check? And she said, sure. And I said, but I don't have a pen. She said, I've got one in my purse. So Brittany, the church secretary, came over and had me uh, had a card for me to sign. And guess what she handed me with the card? A pen. Now, I'm not stealing this pen, but I did put it in my pocket in case I need it throughout the day. Then I'll return it to the church because it belongs to the church, I'm assuming. But I thought it was unique that it was gray and it just matches my suit perfectly. <laughs> Folks, I'm going to tell you, you need to start paying attention to the things that God does what he does, just like the other day, I, I mentioned we were at, going for this a doctor's appointment, the one that we were three and a half months early for. And I said, Lord, we really need a space close. And I mean, we turned in the parking lot and the place was packed. There's one right, the first one was open back then. You need to be able to see God opening doors and, and us walking by faith each step of the way. Mrs. Jones, I never will forget, she used to say, I, pray, I would pray for parking space up close at Sam's. And she said, you know, the Lord always answered my prayers. So this is not like super hyper scary. This is daily living, understanding that every time that something, there's an encounter. I never will forget when I first started getting into this and first Preachers were preaching, and I would be at the medical center, and I'd be making a hospital visit. And they, you know, the thought would, the door would open, there'd be one person on there, you'd have 10 floors to give them the gospel. I mean, you didn't catch God by surprise that you were on that elevator at the same time that other person was there. Now, it may it may not be the full, you know, Roman road or the or whatever, but there is an opportunity. Don't miss what God is doing in your life, opening doors and closing doors for you. It's very, very important that we get this. Now, the 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 concern and being a motivated person, the prophet type, you know, whatever it is. Um, that motivation that I think God has given, I believe I've observed some Christians throughout my experience as a pastor that they see living the Christian life no differently than riding bumper cars and just going through. It's a spiritual 
bumper car ride. And I, I wake up and I bump this car and I say, well, I can't go there. And bump this car, well, I can't go there. They just, they're missing the fact that God is sovereign and He is orchestrating every single detail in our lives. There's, a, there's sad to say, I believe some people just don't realize there's any real meaning or real purpose to their life. So back to the verse 6, chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we're talking about living the Christian life after salvation. We, we've already, by faith, we're complete in Christ. So we've pleased him 100% in salvation, but it's our daily walk we're talking about now. Last time I mentioned the fact that uh, it takes faith to believe that God really loves us as much as He does. And you mark this one down. You know, every now and then I think we get something right. You mark, you make a little note in your journal that when you get to heaven, you're going to be surprised how short you've come on how much you think God loves you. Because I think when we get to heaven, we're going we're gonna to begin to, un we're really going to understand how much God really does love us. But, you know, sad to say, once again, there are people, there are Christians, they just go through life with a chip on their shoulder and they've got a frown. And, you know, I've seen them sit in church before, you know, arms folded and, you know, that scrunched up look and it, bless me if you can, you know. It just, they, they just, they don't understand how much God really loves them. So, it takes faith to believe that. It takes faith to follow the Lord as He gives direction. But based on the Scripture, it is a requirement. If we're going to please Him, it is a requirement that we exercise faith as we go through life, as He gives instructions. Now, let's just kind of take a little quick quiz, if you will. Uh, we are familiar, most of us, with a grading system in school, because most of the adults went to some sort of public school or did something, a Christian school, where you actually got grades for your work. I mean, most of us remember those days. I, I remember them very well. And, um, and those are not happy memories for me. But um, so we have those memories of grades. But I'm just so happy, you know, I'm telling you. I just failed an English test and I walked out and there was my wife walking around the fountain. I mean, if I hadn't have just been so disgruntled with myself, and so bold, I'd have probably never walked up and said, how about a date? I mean, it just, that's the way it worked, you know, but I just failed a, a, a test. So, and also, probably you're aware of your credit score. Years ago, back before we had plastic, I didn't even know what a credit score was. I didn't care. Uh, but then when I tried to rent a car one time on a trip and they said, well, you don't, I mean, sorry, we don't take cash, you know, but anyway. Um, and then some have probably had your IQ revealed and you're keeping it a secret and uh, along with the rest of us. But um, I'm just now I'm leading up to something. If we got graded on our faith, what kind of marks would you be getting? And I'm very serious about this. If, if we were graded on our faith, how we're living by faith, from God, not man, but from God's perspective, what kind of score do you think you'd be receiving? As you think about living the Christian life by faith, Faith. You see, because a lot of Christians, they, they have the philosophy and the idea, you know, and I mentioned this even Monday at the funeral, 
But some people just believe, well, I'll, he's, Jesus is always there when I need him. And he's, I fall back on him when, I, when I'm in trouble. <clears throat> but, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> but the, the thing is, we need him all the time. So what kind of score do you think you'd be getting on your faith? Another question, do you think your faith is growing year by year? In other words, as you mature, as you're going through your Christian life, do you really think that God is saying, you know, your faith is increasing year by year? How's your faith growing? How's your faith growing? <clears throat> We should have a desire that we should, could have as much faith as possible. As much faith as we possibly can have. That ought to be our goal. I mean, the invitation is going to be coming here in a little bit. And we all ought to be crying out to God saying, God, I, I need you to increase my faith. That ought to be our desire. That ought to be our goal. That ought to be something that we're looking forward to. Can you imagine, and I was kind of thinking about this, could you imagine what church would be like, our church very specifically, what our church would be like if all the believers <clears throat> were maxed out on their faith? Can, I mean, can you, can you even fathom it? Oh, sorry. Uh, that was an amen, by the way. Uh, <clears throat> Can you imagine if all the believers, everybody in the church, I am going to have to have some water. I'm sorry. I don't know. Can somebody get me something to drink? <clears throat> I'm so sorry. That's such a distraction, and I hate that. But I didn't bring any with me, and I just don't have any. <clears throat> kind of drying up here. But, um, but that, that's a thought for us to, to consider what would church be like if every Christian was maxed out in our faith. We were doing really well in the area of living by faith. Now, I want to kind of re remind you of a few things that some of you maybe have never heard, some of you have heard a couple of times or a dozen. Um, but this building that you're in and that we have the privilege of being in our church made a commitment years ago, back when we were meeting in the other building. We, we made a commitment to pay cash for the new facility. How many of you were there and heard that and knew about that? Okay, we're, we're there. Thank you so much. <clears throat> yes, I'll take both. Thank you. Well, that's a good size. That fits under here. <clears throat> Sorry. One of these days we may have crystal up here. <coughs> you know, big glasses. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm so sorry. So for 12 years, we saved. And we saved. And we saved. And we did not hammer people. We did not pressure people. We did not tell people, dig deep, you've got to give more. But we waited patiently for God to provide the cash. We knew how much the building. And you know, the thing of it is, when you wait that long, guess what? You get a price 10 years into it and prices go up. Things go up. So with each passing, you know, several years, it kept going up. So we kept waiting and we kept waiting. We waited 12 years. This building, to pay cash for this building, we waited 12 years. And you know what? God provided and I, I mean, dear, dear Christian brothers that I love and, and we had a great relationship in a meeting one time, got up and walked out. He wasn't mad. He just said, this is taking too long. And walked out. Sweet brother, loved him to death. This is taking too long. But guess what, folks? The Lord provided the money 
The building was paid for cash. And aren't you glad today we pay cash? <laughs> that we don't have, you know, a $5,000 payment to be making. But one thing we hadn't included, we didn't have chairs. So we had a building and we're going to have to, we actually considered this. We talked about it. Everybody bring your lawn chairs because we, we don't have enough money for chairs. So we kicked that around, that idea around. We said, okay, what? So we've got some prices on chairs. And one day I stood in the pulpit and I challenged the church. I said, you know, I think the Lord's going to provide this money for the chairs in six weeks. And I got in the car with my wife to go eat enchiladas. And she said, what are you doing? You've never, ever done anything like that in your life. What are you thinking? I said, I'm thinking God's going to provide in six weeks. She said, okay, I, I, I believe you, but you've just never done anything like this. That next week, I believe it was the next week or the next, I don't remember. I got a phone call in this very unassuming because all the money, I mean, it had, everybody had given the Mac. They just maxed out. And this phone call came, said, from a very unassuming person, you would never know unless you heard, unless someone's told you. Because I've never told. This person said, I want to give the $25,000 for the chairs. Praise the Lord. We're going to have chairs. We're not going to have to bring our lawn chairs. And that person wrote the check. Of course, on the front end of the thing, I remember distinctly a family coming in and they wrote a 20, I think it's $25,000 check to start the building fund. Just walked in the office and just wrote a $25,000 check to start the building fund. I'm telling you, people were motivated by faith. So this person said, I want to give the, the money for the chairs, all of it. We got the chairs. We ordered the chairs. You're sitting in the chairs. I want you to get this because we're moving, we're moving somewhere. There's only really one main point of the message today. It seemed impossible from start to finish. From the, the very get-go of the building fund to pay cash, it seemed impossible. When we finally did get the building and paid cash to have another 25000 come in for chairs, people had given and given and given and given. And this person that made that call to me about the chairs had huge faith because if they had actually asked me counsel, like, what do you think I ought to do? I might not have actually encouraged them to do this. But they had the faith to follow through on what God was prompting them to do. Now, folks, to remind you, now that's a story some of you have never heard before, and it's, it should encourage you about faith. Because we're talking about without faith, it's impossible to please Him. But you need to be reminded, and this is not a bad thing. This is not a negative. This is not like, oh, this is a downer. We have had overflow rooms here where people were using hymn books and watching a 27-inch television screen because there were so many people coming. Now, the building was small. And um, one Sunday, 25 or 22, don't remember, I think it was 25, but in the 20s, 20-something people walked the aisle at the same time and joined the church. I mean, that's how it was growing. We got awards from the Southern Baptist Convention for the fastest growing Sunday school in the convention in Texas. I mean, it was amazing what God was doing during those days. Now, I want to, because I want you to hear, we're talking about God leading in the impossibles, okay? God hasn't moved away. 
Y'all, we need to all agree. Those of us that are here, we need to understand and agree as believers. God hadn't moved away. And he hasn't changed my heart and the elder's heart on the direction of the church as far as preaching, as far as the Word of God, as far as offering a safe place for families to bring their little children so they don't have to worry about what they're going to be exposed to. And as I was sharing, there's this man's here today. And I was sharing with him, I said, one of the things we offer different classes. We offer children's classes. But you know what? We respect your headship and your jurisdiction as the parent. And you decide if your child is going to go to those classes or your child is going to go to the adult Sunday school class with you. You're the parent. You decide. And we honor that area of jurisdiction. I do believe with all of my heart that over the years we have held the line on music. I never will forget somebody, I forgot who it was over one of the families that moved away and uh, way out of state. They moved, job took them there, whatever. And they said, they, the question came, has Pastor Hovey gone liberal? Has Pastor Hovey gone liberal? See, we're, we're steadfast. We're holding the line. Other church, and I tell people all the time. In fact, I met a man this week. I mean, this week, our, our heater went out on the cold, one of the coldest days. <clears throat> so we had this guy out, and we were talking a little bit. And he was really, really nice. He was a veteran, Air Force veteran, by the way. And real nice guy. And um, he said, yeah, I go to the Pentecostal church. He said, they asked me 20 years ago to play the drums for him. And uh, he said, I'm still playing the drums for him 20 years later. So I've never, I don't criticize people for their approach in worship. That's their, they're, they're accountable to God for that. But here in this house, we're going to have conservative, very, I think, scriptural hymn, music, and spiritual songs. And we're not bringing in the drums. And we're not bringing in all the acoustics and all the things. We're just not going to do it. And I'm not bashing anyone that chooses to go that direction. That's their business and they'll give an account to God. And I'll give an account. We'll give an account to God here. A church... If you hadn't noticed, I do believe, and you need to be told, I think we're going through a time of testing right now. We're going through a time of testing. But I had a member, we were out to eat Mexican food, and had a member say to me, Pastor, this is not the first time, and it's not. In 36 years, it's not. This is not the first time. In fact, I can cite several times. You know, one time we had, we've had, I don't remember how many secretaries we've had, but this one, it was, she was a very special lady to us. My wife picked her out, and she was very, very good secretary. But finances started dropping. People were choosing to go other places. And she, she was not a, a Baptist. It wasn't Mrs. Hale, but another secretary. And she said, I've seen this before. And she said, I'm getting out of here. She said, I, I've seen this before, and I've got to go get a job. I'm, I'm a single parent, and I've got to have an income. And I just, I've seen this, and it's not looking good. And so she left, got a job, and guess what? We just continued on. Another time, folks, y'all need to know this. Another time... The finances were dropping like a rock. I mean, you know, people were saying, what's going on? And people that were in the financial, what's going on? It was dropping like a rock. And we said, okay, here's the elders came up with a plan. If we reach a certain threshold, a certain dollar amount in the checkbook, we're going to cut one person that we're giving to. 
And I said, and the reason this person was chosen as I went over it with the elders and explained, I said, this person doesn't line up 100% doctrinally with us. But we love this person. We think the world and all of this person, but they really don't line up. They have some doctrines that we don't agree on. So they'll be the first to go if we get to that threshold. We got to that threshold. We chopped, sent a letter, said, you know, this will be your last check. Then I got a criticism. I never had been criticized ever before. Then we started getting criticism from, from folks. Finances started going right up. We made that one move and finances started climbing. And it went to over 200000 in the checkbook then. We need to be aware that God, and if you, I wish we had the time, and we do have folks that have the ability that teach to go through from kiver to kiver, cover to cover, and go through all of the different ways and scenarios in the Bible where God is leading in impossible situations. It's fascinating. Now, following the will of God by faith is not for the faint hearted. If you get nervous, you get a little jittery over, you know, looking at statistics and looking at figures, you get a little bit nervous and get upset in the stomach. Well, it's not for the faint hearted because God, I am confident God leads his children and the church into one impossible situation after another. And that's why the scripture warns, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Don't, get, don't go weary. Don't be fearful. Don't be overly concerned. Do diligence. Pray. Seek. Try to figure out. But don't panic. 2 Thessalonians 3.13 But ye, brethren... Be not weary in well-doing. Don't get weary as you're following, you're following the Lord. Nothing's changed and He hasn't gone anywhere. You just continue to trust Him and follow Him. But you see, following the Lord Jesus in our own strength can be extremely exhausting. I want you to think about that. Following the Lord in our own strength can be exhausting. It's our flesh, our own self-efforts. But we are instructed to walk by the Spirit of God. We are to be operating in and by and through His power in our lives. And life will flow much smoother for all of us if we are walking by the Spirit and not by the flesh. So here's the one thought. I mean, I've already said it, and that's where we're going, and that's where we're going to end. I want you to consider that God leads us into what seems to be impossible. And we can either follow him, follow his leadership by flesh or by faith. It's a choice that we make. We can either follow him by flesh. In other words, I, I can make things happen, preacher. You know, we can get this done. It's the pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality. Or you can live by faith. Examining. Looking, asking, praying. And by the way, when you the only way you're going to be able to follow the Lord by faith is to get a word from Him and be in His presence. You're going to hear from Him. You need to hear from Him. And He wants to direct you. He wants to give direction to His children. But be aware. And I'm thinking about these young families, all these young families out here, these young people. 
I want you to know, as you're going through life, God, at one, it seems like obstacle, one roadblock after another. God just, it's like, this is impossible. You can read the chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, and you can read about in Genesis about Abraham. Can you imagine? Get thee out of thy country. Leave, leave your country and your kindred and your father's house unto a land that, oh, by the way, as we're going along, as you're following me, I'll show you. Now, folks, in today's society, you show me a man. You show me a Christian man that he said, I'm on my face. God gave me a word. I'm stepping out. I'm going somewhere, but he's not told me where I'm going. Not many men that I've known live like that. I mean, our humanity starts getting in the way and we start saying, now, wait a minute, God, what's in it for me? Wait a minute, God. What are the benefits? And I'm going to weigh all this out and I'm surely not going to just start following. And then as I'm packed and moving and leaving family and telling everybody goodbye and the, everything is familiar to me, going leaving, and I still don't know where I'm going. God said, I'll, I'll tell you later. And then, you know, famine in the land, I mean, redirect, strife between the herdsmen. Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom. Abraham, Canaan. And then, I mean, just... You know, we're just kind of, but now I want you to go sacrifice your son for a burnt offering. The son that you love, your only son. And I reread that account again. Very special. I've heard some really, really good preaching around that. But something spoke to my heart in a very special way, and I'm hoping it'll mean something to y'all. Genesis 22.3, Scripture says Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his ass. He wrote, there's, for the first time in my reading of all of this, that I've, I've read this several, many times, all of a sudden I could see Abraham Saddling his donkey in obedience to God the Father. And something that just was absolutely unthinkable. You mean my son, my only son, I'm going to go offer him as a burnt offering? He had his helpers in the wood. and The whole account, but he saddled his ass. Such a, such a picture of obedience. Such a picture of obedience. Following by faith. Without knowing how, what the outcome is going to be. But trusting the command of God. Then you think about, in, we could just spend forever there. But then Israel being freed from Egyptian bondage and Miracles that took place and the plagues. And then they're at the crossroads. They're at the crossroads at Kadesh Barnea. And, and the 12 spies go in and they spy out the land. And they, they come back and agree. It is a, a land flowing with milk and honey. Yes, it is. And here's the evidence. Here it is. But the enemy's there. And they make us look like they're giants. They make us look like grasshoppers. They were at a crossroads and they had a choice to make. Either obey the Lord and face the circumstances that seemed to be bigger than they could imagine. 
or say, no, we're not going to go in and wander for 40 years. And then as I was reading, I came across this verse. I want you to listen to the words of this. Jeremiah 33, 3. Listen to this is the heart. You know, we're not getting into all the background and all of that, but just listen to the thought. Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Call unto me. Call. God is saying to us today, believers, church, call unto me and I will answer and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Do we really believe that Christians today in the church, individual believers, are experiencing all that God has intended for each one of us to experience? Are we participating in everything that God has planned for us? We need to be ready. We need to be willing to obey. And as Abraham did, we need to saddle up. It's time. Remember the message over there in the other building? Some of you remember Get out of the boat. I think I, I would equate this to that same thought. It's time, believer, it's time to saddle up. It's time to step out in faith and trust God in a way that maybe we've never trusted Him before. Be prepared to follow Him and obey because He's going to possibly lead and there's a good, good chance He's going to lead us individuals, the church, He's going to lead us as we follow Him and we've heard His voice. We're getting it from the Word of God. Nothing, you know, spooky or crazy. But we're, we're, we've been with God and He's leading us. He's going to lead us to the impossible. That next door, that next curve, that next thing that we're going to see is going to look to us from our human eyes. It's going to look impossible. And I, again, I, I have to give credit to Dr. Henry Blackaby because I love reading him. He's one, of, for me, one of the easiest. I read John MacArthur. I read others, uh, Matthew Henry. I, I read other men, but I really, really, it's like I really get a lot from Dr. Blackaby. Henry Blackaby. He has these life-changing thoughts I want to share a couple of them with you. I want you to think about this because this is all along the lines of go facing the impossible. Please, please, I hope you can get this because it really, it really resonated with me and it, it spoke to my heart. Think about this. The moment God commands something, it is no longer impossible. I want you to think about that thought. If God through his word. And you've been along with him, you spent time with him, you're hearing from him and you're not making something up or making the scripture say something you wanted to say, but you're getting something from God. The moment God commands it. It is no longer impossible. Now, just a thumbnail, Judges 6.14. In Gideon's mind, when he was told to go fight the Midianites and have victory over them, that you have to agree, looking at the circumstances and all the background, that was an impossibility. It's impossible. There's no way. And, and Gideon was right in his mind because the Midianites, along with their allies, had overwhelmed those Hebrews, those feeble, weak Hebrews. And yet God told Gideon to go fight them. The moment 
And this, with this line of thinking that you just heard from Dr. Blackaby, the moment God gave the command, what appears to be impossible is no longer impossible. His faith was strengthened by the fleece, and I read those accounts again. His faith was tested when you had 32,000 soldiers and they go down to 300. All that, and those are all good, that's good preaching. You can preach the whole sermon all around that. But all of a sudden, the impossible becomes possible when God gives his command. He's promised to be there with you. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. I want you to just think about this. And this again is just staggering to me, this thought. Please follow me. I hope you can. Our disobedience to God's command, our disobedience is the only thing that makes the possible impossible. Does that make sense? That's from Dr. Blackaby. Our disobedience to God's command or His instructions causes the possible to become impossible. That's the only, it's our disobedience. When we, are, when we refuse to obey, then what was possible becomes impossible. Think about it. I mean, I wish I, I'd challenge Pastor Joe and I challenge Aaron. Y'all start going through the Bible and pulling out all these impossibilities. They're just all throughout the Bible. Think about Think about, my wife and I were discussing this yesterday. Moses, I want you to lead Israel, you know. I, all Moses call, David and Goliath, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, all impossible. Joseph, I mean, just start thinking. And then Jesus giving the great commission to a little small band of believers, disciples, and he says, here's a little bitty group, and he says, I want you to go into the whole world and make disciples. I want you to go to the whole world. Can you imagine looking around and saying, how are we supposed to do this? How do we think we're going to get that done? How's that going to happen? But you know what? Every missionary we send, every dollar we send to missionaries, every time that Mateo and different ones go, the ones that go to the prisons in Florida, all these different ones, and every time you go to the store and you witness or you share, you give a tract or whatever, every, that command is being given and done. The impossible becomes possible. So our families can be a part, individuals can be a part, and our church can be a part. He promises in his command to be present, and he promises to give us his power. I just want you to think about it as we're getting closer to the end of this. In your personal life, do you feel like God has led you into some impossibilities? I want to show you something. I, I, I'm fully aware that I use this verse a lot, but it, it just I'm not going to break it down or anything like that, but I just want you to, to look um, at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul made it very, very clear as, uh, with the thorn in the flesh. Turn there, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You see, when you, when you have these truths and they begin to, you, you start looking at all the different verses, how it applies. But see, what, what, we're, what we're encouraging today is that as we 
as we face our impossibilities, we're not going to do it in our own strength. We're doing it in God's strength, in God's power. And, and this is exactly what this is about. Verse 7, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations that there were given, was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice. That's our human. We all do that. Lord, let them live. I mean, we pray. Take it away. Take the pain away. That it might depart from me. And he said unto me, and this is what you need to hear when you're alone with God and you're struggling, you need to hear him say, my grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power. Now, this is key. I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Do you see what, we're, what I'm trying to get across is that when God gives the command and it is impossible until he speaks it to you, till he gives the command, we must be in a place in our Christian life that his power is resting upon us. That means that is a place of weakness and helplessness. And we, and we say, I cannot do this. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. When I'm weak, then am I strong. When I've reached the end and I cannot even muster up enough flesh to even come close to doing this. That's where God wants us. Where he can pour his power into our lives. And as he has spoken it, what seems to be so impossible is now very totally possible. So Christians, we're going to have an invitation here in a little bit. I'm going to share a couple of real quick things that's been solidified in our lives. And I think it's important to share those with you. But it's time, believer, for you to say to God, and as we look at the church, we look at the church finances, we look at everything, whatever it is, it's time for believers to say to the Lord, you've spoken it, nothing has changed. My job is to saddle up. My job is to saddle up. Our journey is, our journey has been often one impossible situation after another. Just, just our first church. I mean, if you can imagine, I left a secure job. I mean, if you live, uh, I left a secure job and uh, had insurance and hospitalization. I left that. And so we were called to the first church, Riesel Baptist Church, went there. And there was a little breakdown in communication because they didn't tell me, I didn't even ask what the, the salary was. I didn't even ask because I thought that'd be unspiritual to ask that question. So I said, well, yeah, we're coming. When we get there, by the way, how much are you going to pay? Um, they thought I was going to be like the farmer pastor that coached. That he had another job. He had a second job. He was a football coach. And they said, well, what, what extra job are you going to have? No, I'm going to, I have one sermon. I need to start working on sermons. They said, but we thought you were going to have another job. No, I, I never said that. And you never said I needed one. So it went from $50 a week to $100 a week and a house with grass growing up through the floor. And they fixed that before we got there. Salary, all along the way, has always been a little shy. We've eaten beans and rice a lot. And you've heard the story. I know I'm repeating myself, but it, it, it means so much to us. Rod Edwin's feet turned in and he needed corrective shoes. We had the money for one pair. We didn't have 
As his foot would grow, we didn't have money for the second pair. We only had money for the first pair. And for a very long time, and I'm talking years, his foot stopped growing. And he was able to wear those shoes till his feet were corrected. Never will forget, we were pastoring in Baytown, and we were living in a rent house, and the rent was due that day, and we didn't have it. We didn't have the money. Linda and I cried out to God. We prayed. What are we going to do? So I said, the only thing I can do, I hate to do this. I really hate to do this. But I'll drag my boat out on the street and see if somebody will stop and buy it. I pulled my boat. It was a nice little boat. V-bottom. First guy that stopped said, I want to buy it. And I said, well, we got to have cash. i got to have cash today so I can pay my rent. He drove to into town, came back with cash money, and took my boat. But we paid the rent that day. That's how we paid the rent. But at the beginning of the day, it was impossible. We didn't know how we were going to do it. One situation after another here at North Belt, and I don't want to belabor, but I'm going to tell you, one after another after another. It's been a little, I mean, I've been yelled at. Doors slammed. It's not been an easy road early on. So we had a family meeting over in the parsonage over here, the one that burnt completely to the ground. We had a family meeting, and I said to all everybody in the family, three kids and my wife, I said, okay, what do y'all think we ought to do? We've been here before, and it looks pretty bleak. It looks pretty bad. What do you say? And they, the kids were little, of course, but they said, Daddy, it's time to leave. Time to leave. And so I, I looked at Linda and I said, Linda, what do you say? She said, Rod, it's time to leave. Let's go someplace where people can love us and appreciate us. And I looked at them and I said, you know what? I've been running ever since I've been in the ministry. And I'm not going to run anymore because we haven't done anything. We're not perfect, of course, but just a bunch of irate, stuff going on I said so they're going to have to put me out in the street this time I'm not running and folks that was early on in our ministry here you know what God didn't let them put us out in the street and we're celebrating 36 years of ministry that God said it looks impossible when I command it it becomes possible This is in, to encourage all of us. Please, I hope you get it. Folks, and, and I'm not being proud. I'm not being boastful. I don't mean it arrogantly. But this is not our first rodeo. Our whole ministry has been full of challenges. And it's been a challenge of faith. Can we trust God for the next month? And I stand here to tell you, I believe we do trust God 100%. All the way to the end, we're trusting Him. We're trusting Him to help us stay the course, be a place of safety for families. He gave the command years ago, and He's never given a different command. Stay the course. Follow me. Yes, it may seem impossible today, but I've given you the word. The impossible just became possible. Believers, I'm encouraged. I'm thankful to God. And remember, the only thing that makes the possible impossible is our disobedience. So it's up to all of us. We're a church, we're a family. And we all need to stand together, united in one cause to follow the Lord wherever He leads us and to trust Him completely and not even consider disobedience. Let's have our invitation because God has declared that we're to preach the word, 
and do business with him. And that's what we've done. Let's have the invitation. And Aaron, I'm going to ask you all to come and sing your song again, or the song again. And we'll look forward to that. Let's stand together and we will sing our hymn of invitation. Just keep the faith. Don't ever give up. Trust the Lord because he is on his throne. He is sovereign and he's in control and he's going to lead all of us to something that might seem to be impossible, but he's going to lead us into the possible. Let's, let's, let's sing and pray. Let's pray first. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the truth. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and lives. And I pray that we'd be encouraged today, that we would be obedient to you, that we would be like Abraham and we'd saddle up. And Father, that we would respond to your call, to your prompting, to your command as you command us this day. We love you, Father. Thank you for loving us so much and encouraging our hearts through your word. In Jesus' most wonderful and precious name we pray. Amen.